the squeeze for you. How do you know about Mamona? I know. <laughs> hey, anything else you want? Yeah. Make his knuckles bleed. Hey. Hey, I like that! Oh, I like that, Johnny! I'm gonna use that! <laughs> Welcome to Karate Kid 3 Minutes, a podcast where we discuss the Karate Kid Part 3, three bigger and badder minutes at a time. I'm Robin. I'm Matt. And joining us one more time this week, welcome back to the show, listener Jeff. Thanks for having me back yet again. I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's Friday. Let's let a lot to get into on this, this uh, three minutes, I think, much more than on Wednesday. <laughs> right, yeah. Last, uh, last Friday... Uh, we named TGIF, which is Terry goes in first, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but, <laughs> but yeah, again, we have Terry Silver here again for another Friday. I so like happy. Uh, today we are talking about minutes 15 through 18 of Karate Kid Part 3. They begin with Miyagi refusing the call to start a business and end with a pleasant evening with Terry Silver. We pick up where we left off with Daniel urging Miyagi to take his money, uh, equating it to a train that he won't get a chance to jump on for a long, long, long time. Uh, long time. Um, and then Miyagi says, well, then Miyagi take bus, which I think is the first great Miyagi one-liner of this movie. Um, he's, uh, he's always got a snappy comeback. Uh-huh. Even but when yeah. he's depressed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we leave the Miyagi house, and in the next scene, we see Daniel <laughs> driving the Century 21 and running inside with a newspaper in his hand. And I'm presuming he saw an ad for a business for sale and jumped right on it, which uh, we can all agree is just not good, right? Like, that's not something he should do. No, no, no. Very impulsive. I mean, it's uh, it's debatable how valuable college is. <laughs> these days but uh um i think uh if he just uh, if he doesn't want to spend his money for college he should hold on to it and maybe go like 50 50 and with miyagi or something like that um but like miyagi already told him no and now he's just gonna go right ahead and you know buy this you know we'll see it but buy his place without talking to me like after he already told him that it's not gonna it's not gonna happen and it just like reminds me of uh, the office when uh, Jim bought Pam a house without talking to her about it. Like, <laughs> what if she didn't want to live there, Jim? You, mm -hmm. you, <laughs> and the same goes for this. It's like uh, we'll see this junk house that he ends up buying. <laughs> but it's like, you know, I'm sorry if you're going to start a business with somebody forcibly, you got to at least give them the chance to pick out the be, be a part of the decision of where this business is going to be. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on Daniel's case this, this season, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Rightfully so. Yeah. I, I want to talk about how Miyagi reacts to it, but I guess I have to wait. You have to wait. That's, that's the rules of minute by minute podcasting, even three minute by three minute. Right. Um, we've broken the rules enough. <laughs> Uh, we go to the same exterior shot of Silver Mansion that we saw earlier, only this time it's evening. We move into the sauna room with uh, Terry in his towel and robe with a nice uh, champagne nearby. Um, and he's on the phone with Crease, who is getting massaged by two babes in Tahiti. 
Crease is living his best life. It, it is a magical place, though, right? Yes. So <laughs> it's good good for him. Oh, wait, is, uh, that, is that no longer Crease? Or how's that work? Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, p- people who haven't seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, <laughs> I was strangely drawn to how his portable phone's large rubber antenna just kind of flops about as he's talking. I, I don't know why. I was just, like, drawn to it. That. What's up with antennas like that? Like you would think that you would need a straight. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure why some of them were sproingy, if you can call it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those things that keep a door from hitting a wall. Uh, there's just something about flicking those that is aesthetically pleasing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and Bill Conti is still giving Terry some great music here. Uh, oh, I- I love Terry Silver's music. <laughs> right? So, uh, does this count uh, as like a second Terry Silver theme? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I don't know about theme, but it's it's a different track on the soundtrack. It's called Terry's Next Move. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I was also wondering about the sauna and where it is in Ennis' house, which, you know, is a real mansion. We talked about it last week and watched this great, walkthrough video of the mansion and I put it in our Facebook group um, when this comes out just a few weeks ago. Um, I put it in there. God, that place is gorgeous. <laughs> uh, so is this the, an actual room in the building that we're... I didn't see filmed? it. I didn't see it. She walked through this entire the entire building. The realtor took, took you through the entire building. She did say um, the bathrooms were renovated um, and I wonder if the sauna counts as part of that because yeah i wasn't sure (laughs) i'm looking forward to examining that video again once we get to uh, terry's tubby time Um, (laughs) but but for this i didn't i didn't spot this room you know so i just don't understand like why would this be a set if they use the interior of this mansion uh so well uh the rest of the movie but anyway sorry jeff How, how long do you think a bucket of ice would last inside a sauna (laughs) he's got his champagne and a bucket of ice and a i know that's true uh i don't know it looks pretty solid there i'm I'm looking at it right now it doesn't look like it's all just water i mean maybe he's just got in here yeah maybe he just walked in he grabbed the phone and was just like i gotta call crease we're both having our relaxation time we got a plan um yeah, Terry seems to be a rich guy that picks up obsessions and quick bursts and just gets so into it. Like, he's he's definitely evil. Like, we heard last week how much he doesn't care about the environment. But it's like he loves a project. And these these minutes really show how, how much he gets into it. <laughs> um, oh, uh, early draft pages uh, had uh, this character, Terry, being called Vic. Vic Silver. <laughs> ah, I don't like that. Um. Uh, I don't know, Victor Silver seems a little bit more arch villainish than Terry Silver. I don't know. But maybe we're just so used to Terry Silver being. Mm. Um Victor Silver's okay, but I don't like Vic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was definitely being called Vic in the uh sides that I saw. They were like pieces of the uh Martin Cove had a early draft of Karate Kid Part 3, the script up for auction, and that showed like uh, a few different photos of it and of the scenes like highlighted in the in the script. And it showed him talking to Vic. (laughs) 
And also, this was back when, um, in earlier draft, when Kreese was a lot more involved. And, like, he didn't go off to Tahiti. He worked with Vic to take Daniel down. Uh, which I would have loved to have seen. And if anybody's got that, the whole script out there, I would love to read it. I mean, I've got that Ormsby draft, and we're, we'll figure out what to do with that. But uh, just the early draft of this movie would be great. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, Terry talking gleefully uh, to to Crease about how he's going to get him he, like he wants revenge i'm going to i'm going to get you that revenge you know as soon as you soon, and and the first thing he mentions is that as soon as he gets back he's going to be the biggest dojo operator in the valley he's bought 20 locations and he's going to give them all to crease <laughs> did you buy some senseis for those locations <laughs> i know uh, I love that the first part of Terry's plan is to buy more buildings to put Crease in charge of after he couldn't keep one open. <laughs> yeah. And make How no mistake. <laughs> make no mistake. You have to pay rent on all 20. Or maybe he thinks that uh, after Daniel is defeated soundly, um, that Cobra Kai will be more popular. Yeah, that that is his plan. Yeah. But still. He's, he's almost as impulsive as Daniel. Right. I love that Kreese calls him a sweetheart. <laughs> You're a sweetheart. Yeah. I didn't know they had that set, that sort of relationship. <laughs> and I also love hearing bad guys talk about people, uh, the heroes. Like, like these two guys talking about people as pure as Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi as those two jerks. <laughs> jerks. <laughs> Like Daniel has his jerky moments, but I wouldn't call them a couple of jerks. <laughs> You're a goody little two shoes. Goody little two shoes. Goody little two shoes. <laughs> so yeah, he's he says it's going to be this is going to be taking up a hundred percent of his time from now on. Uh, and uh, when he's finished with the kid, he's going to be begging uh, for him to be his teacher, uh, and then. He's going to learn pain in every part of his body and fear in every part of his mind. And it's so interesting that Terry uses the two of the three words that Kree says uh, they don't exist, exist in the dojo. Yeah. Exist for everyone but us. Right. And I suppose oh, at the end of his plan, he's going to suffer defeat, <laughs> which yeah. is the third thing. Ter- Terry should have gotten those uh, knuckle tats, fear and pain. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, for sure. But I love, I love, almost, I love every line reading, line reading in this scene. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, uh, so yeah, Chris says, "What about the old man?" And Terry says, "He's gonna hurt Miyagi through the kid." And um, and then, yeah, he says, "It's when I, when that little twerp <laughs> steps into the ring to defend his title, I'm gonna have him thinking he's invincible." So I suppose it's like what he's gonna like show him. A bunch of dirty tricks, but then show the other guy even dirtier ones. Uh, Why would he th- make him think he's invincible? I'm gonna train him wrong as a joke. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. But we see later in the movie, he's basically training him to be uh, to have less of a, a morality. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I am going to speak ahead in spoilers. You um, like. <laughs> He's like, you know, use the leg sweep. It it wins every time. And then, uh, you know, 
<laughs> when when he goes to when Daniel goes to use it, not so much. Right, right. Uh, and then yeah, then he's gonna find out what pain and fear really mean in front of a thousand, right in front of a thousand people. And that's the other thing I love villains calling them things like those little jerks and that torp. And uh, but I love that it's like such like. Like, this is an evil villain plan. Like, we didn't hear Johnny Lawrence or Chosen talk about, like, how, how they're going to make him suffer. And I'm going to put him through this elaborate uh, plan in order for them to hit their lowest low. And then I'm going to crush him or something like that, you know. It, they were more, like, hot-headed and went after Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, so, then he says... Um, Go give Mamona and his and her girlfriend a squeeze for me. He's talking about the Tahitian girls uh, massaging crease. And boy, imagine Martin Cove. Like, listen, guys, I only got this afternoon from my TV show to come on the set. So what are we going to have me? Do? Well, ter- well, uh, well, Martin, we're going to have you uh, being massaged all afternoon <laughs> or all evening or whatever. Like, I assume this is a set that he's on. He's I'm, I'm, I'm certain he's on in Tahiti, but. I don't even think this is beachside or anything like that. They just have a, you know, a screen behind him that looks oceany. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite uh, line though from Terry. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> How do you? What was it? How do you know about Mamona? How do you know about Mamona? Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how do you think he knows? Like Terry's paying for the whole trip, right? Like this isn't Crease is not paying for anything here. Uh, so of course, like he's the one that sent Mamona and her girlfriend to Greece. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I thought it was my natural charisma that made them want to massage me. Dang it! <laughs> just the voice, the voice he does. It's he sounds like Emperor Palpatine or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Tahitian girls I looked up. One is named Helen Lin, whose IMDb is pretty bare. Uh, but the other is played by uh, Melanie Figalan, uh, who I guess was one of the Pepsi uh-huh girls in commercials with Ray Charles back in the 80s. Sure. Um, I don't know if you remember those commercials. I barely remember them. Vaguely. Uh, <laughs> Apparently for a few years, she was married to Adrian Paul, the Highlander, uh, the, you know, the, the TV Highlander. Um, and she did a few TV guest spots during the 80s and 90s and 2000s so uh let's see so yeah here's so perfect this perfect move by crease like what else do you want make his knuckles bleed which i think is just so great um as he looks at his knuckles that don't have any scars (laughs) yeah i will say there's a lot to be said about the ormsby draft but uh that original story that had Crease a little bit more involved and had nothing to do with this plot whatsoever uh, had Crease having problems with his fists. Like he couldn't make fists because of uh, that, what happened between him and Miyagi. Um, yeah, that would be devastating. They should have kept that in. Yeah. Like, and it was, and it really kind of affects Cobra Kai. Ah, I can't wait to get through, get, get into that. So, yeah, it says, make his knuckles bleed. And boy, Terry loves this. <laughs> uh, and I, and um, you know, he turns we, full super villain. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, it is performances like this that make people make make 
people, anybody who watches this movie think, oh, yeah, he is very high on coke, this character. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that, Johnny. I'm going to use that. <laughs> He, he makes this movie worth watching because the plot showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I know, because, like, the rest of the movie is, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's it's the conflict that Terry inserts into the Miyagi and Daniel drama that makes it even more interesting. But, yeah, instead it was, hey, the, let's watch the movie about Daniel and Mr. Miyagi open up a bonsai shop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Thomas Ian Griffith, uh, I got another quote from him about how crazy Terry gets. He says, quote, I give John Avildsen so much credit for that. Whatever you bring to the table, he would watch it in rehearsals. I would try something and I would go for it, even if that something might be ludicrous. When Chris <laughs> says, make his knuckles bleed, Terry Silver thinks that's the most hysterical thing he's heard. And we were like, where else can we use that and bring it in? So this is kind of like a... Yeah, like a, a starting point of like Avelson being like, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> Do that more. <laughs> uh, all right. So anything more about uh, the sauna scene, at least, before we move on? <laughs> um, nope. Uh, okay. The, the next part is Terry walking out in a full tux. And I love it. It's so hilarious. He has his staff working on his revenge plan with him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> like there are literally people who have jobs to help Terry Silver, uh, destroy Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi. Huh. <laughs> it just cracks me up so much. And I can't believe he said the line from like for the next week, my job is strictly revenge or something like that. For the next few weeks, my business is strictly revenge, yes. which is just a perfect quote for this movie. Would, oh would my you God, work, it's so good. Would you work for somebody who said that? <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, uh, you're putting things together. You're you're getting like paperwork and things like that. Oh, you're you're you're. Oh, it turns out that he's into some shady toxic waste dumping. Well, you know the pay is good, <laughs> so yeah. I guess I'll just keep going. And now he wants to like get revenge on a teenager and a little old man. <laughs> well, I guess <laughs> I guess I'll help him with that too. Um, have you guys both seen Spider-Man: Far From Home? Not the latest one, the second one. Yeah. Of the, yeah. So this reminds me of the uh, Mysterio, we did it scene where, uh, spoilers to anybody who hasn't yeah. seen the movie, he reveals that he's the bad guy, it has this whole team working on duping Peter Parker. Yeah. And I just, God. And that's, I would, a, and that's a wrap on a, on the dupe, duping <laughs> Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, where you just find out, and I think would have made this movie even better. Is, like in the in Spider-Man, it seems that you know people like uh, old Peter Billingsley and, and others all have this vested interest in in um, duping Peter Parker because of uh, things that went on with Tony Stark and, and previously. So uh, I don't know. Wouldn't it be funny if this team was like assembled of like like Freddie Fernandez, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, chosen. Uh, <laughs> Just like different people that are working with Terry, like we're gonna take that old those two those two jerks down once and for all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I would love it. I would love it if somebody from Marvel was like, yeah, Quentin plant Quentin Quentin Beck's plan, like that whole thing. That was an homage to Terry Silver and the Karate Kid Part Three. <laughs> we 
We love that movie. Um, I'll, I'll wait for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, now we meet Margaret, uh, who's played by Diana Webster, who is not in a lot, mostly TV guest spots, but I did notice uh, in 1986, both she and Robin Lively uh, guested in an episode of Starman together. So they know each other, even though they're not in the same scenes. <laughs> but so... Terry looks at some average guy clothes that some tailors made for him, <laughs> which is just so funny. They didn't just go to a thrift store and like, no, no, no. We, 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 they've got like, uh, you know, sewing needles and, and, you know, uh, measuring tape and things like that. Tailor stuff. And, and he's immediately, he's like, no, 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 no. The collar, make that, fix that collar. Make it, make me look more humble. So like, what about a collar would make you look humble? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I would think that if you flip the collar up, maybe that would make you look less humble or like more like you think you're the cool guy. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I have no idea how you would fix a collar to make a person look humble. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how you get there. <laughs> there is a seamstress out there listening, like throwing her <laughs> phone on the ground. Go ahead. Make it look like a shirt from a department store, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. where common people shop. Right, right. Oh, I like that T-shirt that says "Make and Bake It." Can <laughs> we can we get that? <laughs> uh, Margaret's trying her best to get Terry and not to forget about his own business, you know, which is. Dumping toxic waste, I suppose. And uh, she says something about a Borneo call. So maybe he's dumping toxic waste in Borneo as well. Um, and that's what he says. All right, but that's the last one. For the next few weeks, my business is strictly revenge. And uh, yeah, Margaret, everything in place, sir. Like she is a grown woman, older than Terry, like, and is very much like, completely okay with helping him with his uh, revenge plan. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed he walks out. This. <laughs> secretly. <laughs> secretly. <laughs> and he, uh, he walks out into the motor yard and I noticed from behind his little ponytail has a little, a little bow on it. Like it's not just a regular p- ponytail uh, holder. I don't know. Yeah. He's a uh, fancy man. Well, He's a fancy man, yeah. He's the prettiest pony at the horse show. <laughs> now, okay, so uh, Terry, uh, Milosh, and Margaret are out in the mortar court, and uh, they, they're, you know, Terry is trying to assume the identity of normal guy. So he disapproved of some of the normal guy clothes that were offered to him. Now, what about a normal guy car? And so, Jeff, uh, you actually looked up some of these cars for us. Uh, I did, yeah. Want to fill, in, fill us in? Yeah, the, the first one is a 1980 Honda Civic, which is cute but wrong. Cute but wrong. <laughs> also, it's all, like, banged up. Like, uh, Yeah, actually, the one he ends up picking is pretty... Me- uh, the front end is completely banged up. Well, that, uh, you yeah. don't see it until later, uh, but... So the, the second one is a 1967 Dodge Dart. Uh, it's got no character. Got no character. No. <laughs> sure. I'm I'm pretty sure that was my dad's first car. <laughs> I'll I'll have to tell him that. <laughs> yeah. Dad, Let him know from Terry Silver himself. <laughs> uh, and, and the third one is 
truck. <laughs> a, a truck? I, I couldn't find uh, that's all. There was no uh, like a convertible more, truck. Yeah, but oh. I I love that. That's what he says. It's just truck. Yeah, a like, truck. No, not a truck. He doesn't say a truck. Just truck. Oh. <laughs> just make sure it runs. Uh, oh wow! Are we looking at the same place? I looked at the Internet Movie Car Database and found this. Oh, you did. That's where I looked. I didn't. Maybe I'm blind. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they had a lot of like thumbnails of different cars that are just kind of driving by and scenes. Like, who cares? Um, but this is, according to them, a 1972 Ford Courier. Uh, okay. I see what happened. I was only looking in that scene, and yeah, I see now they have it later. The future, so spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so you can see in that screenshot actually, um, how banged up the front end is. Yeah, okay, so not just a truck, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a 72 Ford Courier. Um, and you know, Malosh says he, yeah, yeah, uh, I can do that. Now, did you, did you write down the ones that he has parked in the back. Yes, yes, I did look up the the, the nice car, his like real cars, I guess. Because so, did they get those three from like a junkyard or something? Uh, well, I don't, like I don't know where they. Yeah, this, yeah, they look pretty junky. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So in the back, going by, is a 1958 Mercedes Benz 300 SL Roadster, mm. and and a 1971 Jaguar uh, XKE. Right. So he's got his fancy cars parked in the back. <laughs> I'm going to assume Milos and Margaret uh, personally uh, uh, stole all those cars. <laughs> just, oh, man, I, I want to see that movie. <laughs> just Grand Theft Auto, like right off the street. Or or they crawled over the fence of an impound lot and <laughs> it's crashed through the gates. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm picturing this, Milos and Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, yeah, he says, uh, you know, where are the magazines I ordered? And Milos has a manila folder of magazines for uh, Terry. We'll find out next week what those are all about. But then they I all only read these for the articles, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> they are in a brown envelope. Then Margaret uh, uh, wishes them a uh, wishes him a pleasant evening, and he climbs in the back of. A 19, Did you get this one? Yeah, 1948 Rolls-Royce uh, Silver Wraith. Ah. That made me think of, um, have you seen the show Nosferatu? The show? No. Yeah, or if you, so it was a, a book by Joe Hill, and it was made into a show on um, AMC, I think. Oh, yeah, that was that that one that looks like a license plate, a NOS 4. NOS 4 R2, yeah. Did it yeah. have NOS in it? No. <laughs> Darn it. Nope. But that's a... Advertising. But so yeah, the car is really like a big deal in that um, he drives around in it, and uh, it's a it's a 1938 uh, Wraith. So mm. nice. I just like the like the name of a Wraith. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's good in Nosferatu because it's like you know he's he's a vampire and he's a villain car. Like oh, he drives in a Wraith. Like that's just <laughs> yeah. Isn't it like a Silver Ghost another Rolls Royce? <laughs> uh, maybe. Not enough yeah. of a gearhead. I don't know. <laughs> uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to check in with Castle and Furious. They'll know. Um, <laughs> and of course, as a villain, he's got to light up a big old cigar as he's uh, about to look through the. It looks like karate magazines. We see Chuck Norris on the back of the one he has. Um, I I really like that shot. Um, right after he lights the cigar, you it's all you see is his face, and like the rest of the screen is black. For it's like yeah, just floating in the black. Like that's great. 
<laughs> yeah, Avelson's got some chops. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's got that gold lighter. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wonder what he's looking in karate magazines for. I can't imagine what it could be, but we'll have to wait to find out. Um, ah. Yeah, how should I wrap this up? I usually say like a, a like a line or something to say uh, uh, goodbye. What do you think? I feel like I'm being prompted for something specific. <laughs> Anything, really? Like how would how would how would you wrap up this show? Thank you, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> Took my line, man. Oh. Thank you, Margaret, and thank you, Jeff, for joining us. <laughs> hey, hey, I like that. Oh, I like that, Johnny. I'm going to use that. Uh, I know. <laughs> anything you want to plug before? Before? Uh, I still have nothing. So from you, you take off in yes. your Rolls Royce. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, nope, yeah, just everybody listen to Karate Kid Minute before you listen to other movies by minutes. Right, yeah. Do- doesn't matter how long or short it is. Um, and <laughs> uh, tune in next week when Daniel has some news for Miyagi and Terry takes a bubble bath. All right, and <laughs> until next time. Hey, hey, I like that. Oh, I like that, Johnny. I'm going to use that. Hey.